Hi, I'm V, and this is my little podcast where I share what fascinates and interests me in this world. There will be a lot of talks about environmentalism, sustainability, social justice, and occasionally I'll be joined by some of my personal inspirations. While I set my intentions to spread my thoughts in a positive manner, there may be situations where I don't find it appropriate or I simply don't feel like it. For moments where you feel icky listening to this, please remember this might not be your cup of tea. Hello and welcome to Your Cup of Tea. Today I'm talking about fashion. It's the topic I sort of completely skipped in the last episode. It is also a topic I am passionately angry about. I love fashion and I always have. It's creativity and self-expression for me. Well, it can be. It's also clothing. <laughs> it means to keep warm. Fashion is a weird one. It's something that I feel so conflicted about and something that is not talked about enough, especially in political contexts. Although it is highly political. Today's episode is an overview, something I want to put out there before I go into more detail in other episodes. In most Western countries, we have workers' rights. They should ensure that people earn a minimum wage, that in an ideal world at least covers the living costs. But in many countries, this is not the case. In the UK, for example, minimum wage in many regions does not even cover end means. And that's why some fairer employers pay living wage. This, however, is a voluntary act. In many developing countries, however, these regulations do not exist or are never enforced. Paying less than minimum wage is illegal. We have restrictions on how many hours workers are allowed to work. When these laws are broken, headlines report Boohoo factory in Leicester exploits workers. So even in a weird country, weird standing for Western, educated, industrialized, rich and democratic, like the UK, we have seen labor scandals, like in 2020. Boohoo is a massive fashion retailer conglomerate with subsidiaries such as Pretty Little Things. And it shows the most unethical practices. And still, Black Friday comes around and people buy their clothing for pennies. It seems so bizarre to me. Appalling labor practices have been reported from developing countries for quite a while. They are so common, they don't even make the headlines anymore. The first time I heard about, about it was in 2013, when the Rana Plaza factory collapsed. And many lives had been lost due to the greed and profit hunt of H&M, Zara and other fashion retailers. But since then, the fashion industry still expanded and grew, and grew incredibly powerful. And I noticed that many people simply did not care. And no one seemed to stop these practices. Many looked the other way. And I asked myself, why? I started looking into companies and common practices. I learned that price does not indicate fair trade. And whether it's fast fashion or luxury label, labor conditions are appalling, with only few exceptions. 
And those exceptions tend to be very open about their practices and efforts, very transparent. Eventually, I found Good On You, a website or an app um, that rates companies based on their transparency and practices, their labor conditions. Now, I understand that fashion and clothing is a demographic topic as well, and that it is enmeshed into societal status and class. And I will discuss affordability later on as well, so bear with me on that. But I also think it should not require the consumer choices to change these problematic practices, but policies. I wonder why our governments do not pressure the human rights issues. There are bodies like the United Nations, but they're not utilized enough to stop these human rights violations. Now let's look at materials. The harm does not end with poor labor conditions, unfortunately. The labor conditions are additionally impacted by the garment materials. Garments are treated and dyed with chemicals that are extremely harmful for workers as well as the end consumer, meaning the person who actually wears the piece of clothing in the end. Natural fibers such as cotton are often exposed to pesticides in the growing process too. Different materials have different textures and different qualities. But over the years, many natural fabrics have been substituted with a synthetic material that shows similar textures. Silk was one of the first ones to be replaced by polyester because it was more affordable and nowadays it is actually hard to find fabrics that don't have any synthetic fibers mixed in at least. What that means is that more and more clothes are made that don't degrade, that expel microplastics in our water with every wash. Then there's another ethical element to consider when looking into materials. As well as natural is obviously better for the environment than synthetic materials, some natural materials, such as wool, silk and leather, have animal cruelty attached. Leather is usually also tanned with incredibly harsh chemicals to prevent the dead skin from degrading. So personally, I don't think the end product could be considered natural, but I also understand that it is difficult to weigh these things up. I personally definitely do not want to support any animal cruelty in any way. Silk is also most of the time a very bloody business as the silk moths are boiled with hot water before they hatch in order to get their cocoons. There are some companies out there that eliminate this cruelty and basically don't kill the moths. I think Stella McCartney is one of the biggest supporters for this. However, there are also other natural alternatives to silk, such as tensil. Wool is also often not regulated, and many animals get wounded and scarred while they are shorn, and their life in captivity is often not a happy one either. Similarly awful is the life of geese that are plucked for their feathers, for dawn, and Instead of supporting these practices, I find it exciting to support new inventions that turn waste into garments such as Pinatex, that turns pineapple leaves into a cruelty-free leather alternative. Another important factor about materials is recyclability. Mixed fabrics are often not recyclable at all. So if a cotton shirt consists of 90% cotton but 10% elastin for elasticity, then the whole garment cannot be recycled anymore 
and also will shed microplastics when washed. So the purer a material, the better, even if it is a synthetic fiber, because if it is 100% the same fiber, it is more likely to be recycled. There are also great initiatives for material regulations, such as Ökotex, which is a label that certifies that this garment has not had any harmful substances um, in it and also not in the whole production line. So that includes the fabric itself, the dyes, the threads, buttons, everything. Another downside of the most common practices in the fashion industry is poor quality. Now, for the longest time, I figured it is a calculated risk fashion retailers take. I thought they pressure their worker, and I put worker in air quotes because it is modern slavery. They push them so much to finish so many items of clothing a day or per hour that it is impossible not to rush such jobs and compromise quality. That's what I thought. But actually, fashion companies have no interest whatsoever to create good quality items. The items are only meant to be worn a few times until replaced with the next trend anyway. And this is where it gets really sickening for me. Many people, important, not all, think this is okay. As they pay lower prices, they think it's okay that these clothes aren't as durable. Now I've heard friends and colleagues say phrases like, I order my jeans there, they don't last that long, but I'll just replace them when they break because they're cheap. Well, one point I want to highlight in this context of quality is that I find it a little bit crazy that many people criticize tech companies that they're building in obsolescence. So basically accusing the manufacturer to design the items to break after a few years to encourage them to purchase new ones. However, I hear so few criticizing Zara to do the same, same thing. I wonder why. Maybe it is affordability. Maybe it's that the pleasure you get out of purchasing something new outweighs the disappointment when it breaks. Or maybe the item will only be worn once. I have seen this craziness in Primark, where people grab whatever they are in the mood for and buy it because it's cheap. Oftentimes they do not even try these things on. But I also have seen people who have to go to Primark because it's the only place they can afford some clothes. That in itself is sickening because people who cannot afford clothing are stuck in an endless cycle where they have to buy poor quality clothes that won't last next time around they have to do the same thing again. I want to highlight that this is a very important issue. Social injustice is a huge problem in this country. But I also want to highlight that Primark does not thrive because of people who cannot afford clothing. It's okay if people who cannot afford fair fashion buy a jacket or a pair of jeans wherever they can get it. It's a different story if someone has a whole wardrobe full of clothes, craves a little something new and then makes that purchase. Again, I believe we are all not perfect. And as I said before, if we make 80% good choices collectively, we can achieve more than if 5% make perfect choices all the time. But I feel that many people find comfort in excuses when it comes to fashion purchases. Investing in, fa in fair fashion is a statement that helps changing these dirty practices.
But what about creativity? Fair fashion is often just plain. There aren't as many choices out there yet. And I haven't found anything I like. These are things I hear a lot. And fashion is creativity. Yes, it is. That's what I love about fashion. But creativity also does not rely on new purchases, I believe. Sometimes having less can open new channels of creativity. I try to create capsule wardrobes with every season. I choose a few of my items that would go together or clash nicely for one season and I ban the rest from my closet and store it under my bed. This challenges me to make new combinations and also gives me the same new clothes adrenaline when I pull out some of my old clothes from under the bed in the next season. Combining these items in totally different ways than before is true creativity for me. And the most sustainable way is to use what I already have. Which brings me to the environmental impact of our fashion and our wardrobe. The longer we wear our clothes, the more we make out of the environmental impact the production of that item had. Livia Firth uh, started a movement to inspire investing in quality pieces and make them last at least 30 wears. If we consider how many apparel items from our own wardrobe have been actually worn 30 plus times, most of us will probably be quite shocked how small the number is. If you do this, please let me know. I'm very curious. Many fashion retailers don't resell returns, which has a massive impact on our waste streams and environment. Especially online returns are sent straight to landfill by many retailers of the fast fashion industry. Because it seems cheaper to send them straight to landfill than putting quality checks in place and sort what can be resold. So each time someone orders a shirt in two sizes, which is due to no standardized sizing, a necessity for many, and returns one of them, the money they spend may be for one item. However, the impact on our planet is at least doubled. The environment is also impacted by the way we care for our garments. Washing items in the wrong way or too often will impact its condition. Jeans, for example, should not be washed at all. To sanitize, you can put them in the freezer and stains should be treated directly. Now, I know that that might seem a bit weird and not really an option for everyone, but not washing your jeans after one wear already might be a good start to keep shape and color for longer. People also tend to wash on higher temperatures than necessary, which pushes the energy consumption up. Wash only when necessary and on low temperatures, with the exception of hygiene-sensitive items such as underwear, obviously. And then there's plastic. Washing opens fibers, and when the wash drum spins, microplastics are released into the water. For that reason, it is best to wear natural fibers, because then you will also only wash natural fibers. Because microplastics are so small, they cannot be filtered out by the machine's filter. And so they find their ways into nature, where the impact on wildlife is causing harm. For the meantime, there are wash bags such as guppy bag that can capture these microplastics in the wash. And I highly recommend that. It's a small extra step with a huge positive impact. 
a lot of what we do and how we consume is influenced subconsciously by the media, fashion magazines, and especially in recent years, social media. See something pictured and be aesthetically pleased, uh, an urge arises to purchase that same thing. The advertising of these million-pound companies is hard to escape and to be conscious of it all the time. And I also don't believe that the only solution to this problem is all on the consumer. We need policies and sanctions. However, I believe fashion consumers have a huge power and I can only encourage everyone to try it out. It's a feminist act. Dig deeper into this topic and question your own consumer behavior and embrace your style outside of fast fashion trends. As always, reach out with feedback, but also questions you may have about this topic. And are you curious but don't know where to start? I am here. Reach out to me. This is your cup of tea.